Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Tuesday, August the 3rd. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. How are things going, Jeff? Hey, Rod. Going good. Getting ready for some real football to start. Uh, we're getting really close. Yes. And uh, our guest today is Ryan Crowley. Find him at Ryan J underscore Crowley on Twitter. Ryan, how are things going? Pretty well, thanks. Again, also ready and looking forward to some football. Can't believe it's almost here. Hate to wish the rest of the summer away, but I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I mean, uh, um, finally getting some days in the 70s here at my house. And um, yeah, I'm kind of enjoying it. Yeah, well, I would be if I wasn't, you know, chained to my desk all day. But other than that, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't want them to go too fast, but I'm ready to see this team, you know, actually, actually play. So we're going to talk a lot of Browns, uh, a lot of, a lot of news, a lot of things going on. But um, before we, before we get into that, we're going to start by talking about our Blitz beverages, what uh, everybody's drinking this evening. And Ryan, you're the guest, so you get to go first. So why don't you tell us about what you're, uh, what you have in front of you there. Well, I know this is usually a, a beer podcast, um, but tonight I'm having a glass of sea glass Pinot Grigio. Uh, it's the wine that we served at uh, our wedding, and um, I'm having wine because I'm on a little bit of a beer sabbatical for the summer uh, until football season comes, and then I really start to enjoy myself again. <laughs> Nice. Well, I'm kind of honored that you're drinking the wine that you served at your wedding. Thanks. Yeah, we we, lo- we love it. We have it in the fridge at all times for any occasion. So this this was a good one to break it out for. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, and Jeff, what uh, what do you have in front of you there? Well, you know, you, you've been shaming me the last few times I've been on about not participating. So I dug to the back of my <laughs> fridge and I found a... Dogfish Head 60-Minute IPA. Um, this is a 6% alcohol, citrusy IPA. Um, you know, I like IPAs. I know you're not a huge fan at this point, Rod, but... Yeah, I'm getting um, there. This is the kind of beer I don't mind sitting and drinking after I, you know, finish cutting the grass or whatever. Um, you know, I'm not going to drink a whole bunch of these, but friend gave them to me. Um I don't even know where they came from. It's a, it's a company out of Delaware, a brewery out of Delaware or something. Um, but it's pretty good. Good, good. I I grabbed a Stella, just a, the plain Stella. So uh, Stella Artois, um, good beer, guys, and um, always enjoy it. It's, I don't know. I say it's one of my go-tos, but I got about 20 go-tos probably. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, definitely an easy-drinking beer. Um Great summertime beer. So, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. So, um, I opened it before the show started. So, so yeah, it's probably not long for this world. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyways, uh, yeah, I'm glad everybody's uh, participating and enjoying something this evening. So, um, so uh, let's move on to to the next part of our show, and and that is where we're going to turn the floor over to Ryan. And let him talk about his um, 
his journey, his life as a Browns fan. Everybody's got a little bit of a different story. And, and Ryan is from and, and currently lives in Rhode Island. Uh, Ryan comes comes in uh, for a lot of Browns games. So uh, I think we all want to hear, you know, just about his fandom and kind of maybe how it got started and, and, uh, and uh, just his story. So, Ryan, take it away. Well, it all started when I was a young boy. <laughs> when, the, <laughs> when, the, when the Browns came back in 99 here in New England, the Patriots weren't yet the Patriots. So I never really rooted for the Patriots. They were, you know, they were the home team and I'd pay attention to what they were doing. But when they came back in 99, the Browns, I just remember watching ESPN and all the fandom and the excitement that the Browns were coming back after uh, being out of the league for a few years. And just that excitement and learning about the history of the team and the great players they used to have, it just really attracted me. Um, to them. And it was that year that I decided, I think this is going to be the team that I stick with. And I just, I always have, um, you know, we didn't get many Browns games on uh, network television here. So we're, uh, you know, we're either out at the restaurants trying to watch on the ticket or uh, you know, nowadays we have a friend of mine who's got the Sunday ticket and we're all, the door's always open for us to go over there and watch the Browns. Uh, when I'm not at the games, we're there every Sunday, a group of us, um, me and my wife, the Browns fans, my buddy, the Giants fan, and, um, you know, and a bunch of Patriots fans. But they've got a few different TVs, so we're all usually happy. But um, just have always liked – the more I've learned about the team over the years, uh, the more um, I've become passionate about being a fan. Uh, got to Cleveland for the first time in uh, 2010 when the Browns actually beat the Patriots, when uh, Peyton Hillis had his big game. Um, you know, it was to that point probably the happiest day of my Browns fandom mm -hmm. and uh, just continued to come every year after that. Um, some buddies and I, we had a tradition that wherever the Browns were the weekend leading up to or the weekend after my birthday in November, that's where we'd go. We did Houston, uh, we've done Cincinnati, Cleveland a bunch of times, um, and then just a couple years ago, um, I got season tickets in 2019, uh, which was perfect timing because now you can't get them. Um, so that year we got out for, uh, I think, five games, um, two tickets. So I usually rotate who comes with me. My wife comes for two, my dad usually comes for a couple, buddy for a couple. Um, Last year, we got out for one uh, one game. We drove out for the Colts game. Uh, and then this year, my schedule's full. I've got to make up for lost time last year for not getting out there. So uh, can't get enough Browns, can't get enough Cleveland. And uh, it's gotten more fun and met more great people every year. Yeah, that's a great story. I mean, there there are different kinds of Browns fans, and you know, a lot of people were were born in Cleveland, and you know, maybe their their parents rooted for the Browns, and you know, they kind of feel like it's in their blood. But you know, people like yourself who have you know who kind of picked the Browns, especially when you pick the Browns in in '99, you know, or or in any of the really lean years, and stuck with them for this long, and you know, it's. I don't see how anybody could, you know, um, 
look at you any differently from any of the people that were born in Cleveland, you know, I mean, and I'm not saying they would, but, but, um, you know, you've definitely paid your dues like everybody else. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a cool story. Yeah. I've, I've reminded a few people over the years that they, they like to point out that, you know, they were born to be a Browns fan. And I like to point out, well, I chose to be a Browns fan when being a Browns fan wasn't easy. So, uh, right. it's, it's just, and now we're starting to reap the rewards of all those years of agony and patience or whatever word you want to use to describe it. Um, it's really getting fun now, and I'm super excited. Yeah. Well, it sounds yeah. like you, you chose to be a Browns fan based on your perception of other Browns fans more so than obviously the team because the team was nothing at that point. So every Browns fan should take that as a compliment, I think. And, you know, I've got a buddy, his father um, pointed out to me once, and, you know, he's a real old timer. He said that years ago, before the Patriots existed or were big in this market, here in this area, folks either rooted for the Giants or the Browns. And that wasn't something I knew. And the more I looked into it, I said, wow, that's that's actually true. So while there aren't Mm -hmm. many who have hung on now that the Patriots have become what they've become, uh, there's a couple of us scattered about, and uh, you can't walk by someone uh, here in Rhode Island that's got a Browns cap on or a Browns T-shirt on without, you know, barking or, you know, chatting quick and, and learning their story, too. There's a small but tight-knit group here. Yeah. Two of the great franchises prior to the Super Bowl era, Browns and the Giants. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. So speaking of uh, of uh, yeah, um, I forgot, uh, you gave me a nice segue there, Ryan, and then we kind of got off on on the on Giants, so I kind of lost it. But anyways, we're just going <laughs> to dive into the news here, so I'm going to forget about the segue altogether. Uh, <laughs> Saturday night was was uh, was a big night. Um, I don't know about you guys, I, I didn't catch it right away. I was a couple hours late on it, but the but the uh, Extension of uh, of Nick Chubb, three years, um, thirty six point six million, twenty million guaranteed. Um, I don't know about you guys. I really didn't care about the money. I cared about the three years. <laughs> um, you know, for me, this this was this was huge. And I think you know, a year or two ago, when when the when Nick Chubb was on the Browns and and you could just see the kind of guy he was and see his potential and, and just see the team player he was. You know, I thought, man, this is my this is my favorite player. And, and at that point, I thought, you know, I I felt like I was kind of in a minority. You know, I thought most people like Baker and Jarvis and Miles and all this. And now it's like everybody loves Nick Chubb because everybody's seen what kind of guy he is and what kind of player he is. So. Everybody is thrilled to death with this deal, but um, you know it also goes against some of the uh, you know some of the unwritten laws in football that you can't pay a running back like this. You're just not supposed to do this. So, uh, so I want to get a reaction from from both of you guys. How this news hit you? Because um, you know I think I think Baker's a foregone conclusion. He's going to get extended, but some of these other guys, it wasn't really a guarantee, even though we knew talks were going on. So, so Jeff, I'll let you go first on this one. What, what was your, what was your uh, reaction, your thoughts to the, uh, to the extension? 
Well, I'm, I'm as thrilled as you are, Rod, that they were able to get this done um, prior to the season and extend it for three years. Um, I really didn't know the particulars of the deal right away, um, but just hearing, you know, three years, taking him through his, you know, 29-year-old season um, when he's in his prime years, um, man, that's great. It gives the team um, – one less question mark and um, st- still an amazing um, amount of flexibility when you start really drilling down into the contract. Um, this is the the sixth uh, richest contract for running backs in the league, um, and which is amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, and and when you look at the year by year stuff, um, I mean it's it's really a pretty team friendly deal. Um, the 2023 season is when they're really on the hook for the most money. Um, and then the 2024 season, um, you know, there's, there's actually some, some cap savings if things were to go sideways too. So um, not that, you know, anybody wants to see that happen, but in terms of protecting yourself with a running back contract, um, I think Andrew Berry did a fabulous job of getting this done in a team friendly manner, but also something that was really, I think, very fair to Nick Chubb and, you know, gives him the respect he deserves and, you know, locks him up um, through his prime years, which is, that's just fabulous. Yeah. So what were your thoughts, Ryan? Well, for me, it really just, the deal epitomizes the all bark, all bite, no bark. language that the Browns keep using. I mean, here's a guy who does everything the team asks him to do. He holds himself accountable. Um, He doesn't showboat. I'll always remember for as long as I live watching him step out of bounds at the one yard line in that Texas game. And it just clearly demonstrated that you can't have a more selfless player than Nick Chubb. Um, He's the exact kind of guy that you want on your team He's only gotten better over the years. Um, I mean, he was hurt for four games last year, came back and picked up right where he left off, really. Um, And just the way that I'm thinking, too, of the way the weather was last year in Cleveland throughout the month of November. You need a guy like him back there. And I know that people say running backs, you know, don't make a difference or what have you, but Man, it's it's hard to imagine how last season may have went without Nick Chubb, or if he had been out longer than four years. Excuse me, four uh, weeks. So he's, yeah. it, it's a good team-friendly deal. It also gives him the opportunity to hit free agency again at uh, 29 years old. And again, I think it just proves that the Browns not only are committed to retaining their own talent, but they're committed to keeping guys of good character. And, you know, this is a good example for other guys in the locker room that if you do things the right way and you produce, you can be rewarded. Yeah, and I know that uh, obviously team comes first. So the idea is to have Nick on the team and that that is going to help the team win. But you can't talk about Nick Chubb and, and running backs in Cleveland without looking at the all-time leaders and the numbers, knowing that Nick's going to be in Cleveland for four more years. So 
I did the math on this, and if Nick, if Nick needs to average 980 yards a season for the next four seasons to pass Leroy Kelly to get into second place on the all-time rushing list for the Browns. Obviously, number one on the all-time rushing list for the Browns is is a bit higher than that. But um, it it just shows you, um, you know, what he's done already to to be able to average that for four seasons, you know, to put him second on the all-time list. And the thing is, Nick probably doesn't care about that. You know, um, he probably really doesn't. He, you know, he would um, he would take wins over that. But um, you know, I think he also has a sense of history, so he would probably, to him, it would probably be a big deal if he does pass Leroy Kelly just because of it happening. But I don't see that as a, a personal goal for him. Right, but to be the number two running back in an organization as storied as the Cleveland Browns. That's a lot. That's saying something. Yeah, he he would pass. Um, I mean, he's got a chance, and I don't have the list right in front of me. He's got a chance to pass several several guys this season. So, um, Well, so, he's, yeah. he's going to pass Marion Motley. Um, I think he's real close to Marion Motley. He's, yeah. he's, he's 1,200 yards from Marion Motley. He's going to probably okay. pass him this year. Um, and then he needs probably two two good seasons to to get past Greg Pruitt to to number four all time. Mm-hmm. So so with two two productive seasons, he's going to be number four on the list. If if it you know by Nick Chubb standards, right? Um, <laughs> and then two more on top of that. He's you know I mean I would think. Probably by the third season, he's got a, a real good chance of closing in on, you know, the two or three spot in team history, which is amazing. And this this contract plays itself out. And, and, you know, you can start talking about Nick Chubb maybe being, you know, the second best running back ever to play in the Browns uniform. Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. Any Any thoughts on that, Ryan? I just can't believe that they pulled it off. I'm so used to them having these kind of players and and not retaining them. And I know that this is different, and I know it's different leadership, but every time they're able to take another step in the right direction, it just gives me hope for the future. I just I love Nick Chubb. I don't think anyone was more excited that they re-signed Nick Chubb than my wife. Uh, she liked him as a player, and she bought me his jersey for Christmas last year, so she knows that I'll be wearing it at least another four years before I retire it. Um, <laughs> she was very happy about that. Um, but no, in all seriousness, everything you guys have said is, is spot on. Um, you know, he continues, the arrow continues to point up for him. Um, there's, there's nothing that indicates that he's going to slow down. And let's remember, too, he was drafted second from from his college in that draft. Sony Michelle was drafted before him, and I just think the difference, you know, it would be if the roles were reversed and we ended up with Sony Michelle. I'm so grateful we had Chubb. 
Uh, it would have been nice if we had nabbed him at the end of the first round, so we would have had that option to keep him around another year, but we weren't afforded that uh, ability, given the way the draft fell. I'm just so happy they're keeping him, and really he is a pillar of the offense, and for him to be the first guy that they've extended, I think demonstrates that own, you know ownership, leadership, they feel the same way. Yeah, so do you guys... Uh... Do you guys expect any more extensions before the season at this point, or do you do you think it's? I'm sure they're still talking to uh, to agents. Do you do you think there's a chance anything else happens, or do you think this stuff's kind of probably gonna go, you know, into the season or past the season at this point? So, what do you think, Ryan? Uh- I've looked at you know some of their big guys who are coming up. So obviously they've got Baker, Wyatt Teller, Warden, and Joku. Uh, Ward seems to be very uh, happy playing in Ohio. He's played there his whole year, his whole career. So I don't know that it would surprise me if they were able to work something out with him. Um, I don't know that the pressure is there to do that yet. Um, but you know he's he's a guy that uh, of the four I named, I could see maybe most likely. Baker, it seems like if they haven't done it yet, maybe they're going to play it out this season. I don't think there's a way that you can keep a player that you think is your franchise quarterback without paying them. So I know I've mm. heard folks say you've got to, well, if they re-signed him this offseason, you'd save some money. Well, that, you know, monetarily might be true, but the, the market changes, the cap changes, and you just can't, you know, the so does the amount that you pay the guy. So if he has a good season this year, you're going to pay more. That's fine. If you've got your franchise quarterback. And Joku, I, I don't think I, I don't see them working anything out before the season's over. I'm not even convinced that he'll stay. They've been talking about, you know, they feel like they have a room of three number one tight ends. Um, with, mm-hmm. with, with the needs yeah. of this team, you can't afford to pay three number one tight ends. So. Um, nah. why it tellers the wild card for me. Cause I feel like that one could come out of the blue or it's something that they work out in the off season. Um, I, I'm curious to see how that one plays out. I think Najoku maybe not Ward. I could see most likely Baker in time teller for me is, is the one that I'm most curious to see. So what do you think, Jeff? Yeah, that's that's all right on. Uh, I would just add to it that um, Baker and Denzel are under contract next year in their mm-hmm. option years for um, just slightly over $32 million combined. So I don't think there's any real urgency to do anything with those guys during mm-hmm. the season. Um, yeah, Wyatt Teller is going to be real interesting. Um, and I think that that will have sort of a ripple effect on what happens with the rest of the line. And, you know, guys, it's a, it's a good problem to have. I know, you know, we we're all on Twitter and we're seeing what people are speculating and talking about in the off season. Cause that's all there is to do is speculate and talk. And it seemed like every time a big name was expected to be moved or requested a trade, you know, we had this upswelling of let's go get Julio Jones. Let's go get, Stephon Gilmore, let's go get Aaron Rodgers. JJ Watt. JJ Watt, uh, Xavier <laughs> Howard. So every time that's happened, I've kind of looked at it with, uh, you know, uh, if we can add talent, great, but we've got so much good talent already on the team. Let's figure that out first. Not saying you shouldn't add talent because you have talent, but um, 
there are going to be players, and we've talked about a few of them, that are going to need to be paid to be kept. And we can't afford to have everybody. And, and then just one other thought that I had that I wanted to just circle back on that I didn't mention earlier when we were talking about Chubb. I looked this up. They are paying Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt a combined $3 million more than Christian McCaffrey. So if that doesn't show you how methodical Andrew Barry is to have those two guys for only $3 million more than Christian McCaffrey, uh, I, I have full faith that this front office will make the right decisions. Uh, they have yet to demonstrate otherwise. Is that number, Ryan, is that a total contract number? Yes, I believe it is. Total, total liabilities? Okay. Because I, I know yeah. the way that these contracts are loaded – um, it varies a lot from year to year. You bet. But that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, guys, just talking about the, the the free agents and extending guys. You know, it's we're, we're so used to in Cleveland, just having just such a weird relationship with free agents and players because, you know, we, we couldn't keep anybody for such a long time and we wanted to keep guys and then guys got away and, you know, and then they went other places and they played well. And, you know, and, and a lot of those guys, you know, some of those guys were good, you know, um, some of those guys were really good. Um, some of them not even so much. Okay. But they, they were the best guys that the Browns had at the time. So we wanted to keep them. So now the Browns are in a spot where they've got all this talent. And the front office is trying to figure out how to sign it. But we've also we also have the dynamic that we have a GM and and I know that we're only in year two. Okay, but Andrew Barry has shown every (laughs) indication to us that he has the ability to find talent. So on one hand, you want them to be able to keep all these guys. But on the other hand, you have to have some faith in him that if somebody does get away, that he is going to find a way to, to plug that gap. And I don't know that I don't know that um, we that um, Browns fans are really ready to take that step yet because we really haven't. We, we really haven't lost anybody under this regime, to, I don't think, yet to where somebody's had to come in and fill in a gap like that. And I think well, once that yeah, happens, go ahead. That's, that's the next leap of faith, right? And, and I would just, yeah. I, I guess a, a, one example of that is um, Olivier Vernon goes down last game last year, and they are able to bring in Jadavian Clowney to take his place. Um, yeah. yeah. Most people would look at that as an upgrade to an already pretty strong position. So I think you're right. I, you know, as fans, we're kind of conditioned to believe that, boy, we found this good guy. We better hang on to him at all costs. But, yeah, you know, a year ago, we, were talk- we weren't talking about Wyatt Teller like this. You know, so, so how, how big a leap of faith is it to believe that, that – this front office and this coaching staff can't plug somebody else in that can be a maybe not you know the top guard in the league, but a very accomplished player to take his place. I don't think it's that big a leap of faith. 
Yeah, when you have Bill Callahan, especially to me, to me, that's a spot where I think I'm going to have a lot of faith if they say, "Hey, you know, we're gonna, we're not going to resign him," you know, and we feel that that's best for the team because we need this money to keep, you know, to extend Denzel Ward or or Baker or you know or whoever else it might be. You know, if they have to let right. somebody go, then I'm going to understand that decision. You know, um, it's not ideal because you've got you've got you know, you've got a really good player. Right. But you can't keep when you're the top when you're one of the top teams in talent and you have guys that are coming up on contracts. You're not going to be able to keep everybody. You're just not. Right. No, that's what Ryan said earlier. I mean, we, we have to make some of these decisions and and it, it, it does impact the whole picture. But once we get to this level of of quality in terms of the roster and competitiveness. Uh, I mean, those are the decisions that, that general managers are paid to make, you know, how do you, how do you continue to be competitive and, and have, you know, a, a solid roster without just throwing money at everybody. So yeah, yeah that, that's, that's a new concept to us in Cleveland, you know, since, since the Browns have come back in 99, we, we haven't had these kinds of problems. Um, but you know what? We're in great shape for the next two years. And um, I, I don't think, you know, we've got any huge issues with the roster coming up. You know, if 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 re-signing Wyatt Teller is the, the biggest problem that we have right now, um, I think we're in really, really good shape. And I think to your point about fans, you know, taking that next leap of faith, I think folks will look closely at, okay, if you let Wyatt Teller go or you let Denzel go or, or whoever it is that we choose to reference, who do you replace them with? So I think it's going to be a while before we have that, you know, that answer of, you know, whether this front office can do that effectively. I think they've already shown the ability to fill out the roster. I think they've shown the ability to fill the different needs on the team. I mean, just look at the last few free agencies and drafts two years ago with offense this year it was defense and i'm sure this upcoming season it's going to be a mix of both because they're going to be positioned to do that Um, when you have all of your starters returning on offense makes it pretty easy um to fill in whatever gaps or holes you've identified on uh for defense but this i mean just the fact that we're even having this conversation just shows that we're in a good spot and this is a really good problem to have. We're gone are the days where talent's leaving and we're, you know, paying f- big fat checks to guys who just want to come here for their payday. Um, right. Th- those days are over. And now we're, thought <laughs> we're having the conversation about keeping our own talent and, and who to replace them with and having faith in the front office to do so. So just that we're even having this conversation is great. Well, yeah, and you n- you never know how things are going to change. I mean, you know, um, you have to see how the season goes. You know, what if what if Greedy makes a, a great recovery, plays plays well this season? Greg Newsom just plays great as a rookie. You know, got Troy Hill and, and and somebody else shows up, and all of a sudden they they decide that um, you know that that their money is better spent somewhere else other than on on extending Denzel Ward. You know, it doesn't seem ideal right now. Right now, Denzel Ward's one of the top corners in the league. You want to keep him, but you just don't know. Um, you just don't know how things are going to look 
we'll say after you know after this season. So um, so yeah, I, just, I think you do have to have a little bit of faith in this front office. And um, you know what you what you're saying about Vernon, Jeff. Yeah, that that's true. If if Vernon was healthy after the season, and the Browns would have let him walk. You know, before they waited and waited and signed Clowney, you know, I think people would have been a little concerned. <laughs> yeah. People yeah. would not have been happy with the Tack McKinley signing whatsoever, you know. Right, uh, right. Thinking that he was going going to be the only guy, you know, um, and then they would have been just relieved with the Clowney signing. So um, right. I, I think people will – I think people will – um, I think people will get to, to where they have more faith, but I mean, obviously it's not like this is, these guys are still human, so we can't expect every single move that they make to work out perfectly either. No, that's, that's not the nature of things in sports. Um, but with the salary cap and, and the way contracts are structured in the NFL, it is, it's, it's where you're most likely to be able to do this and yeah. the browns have finally made some of the right decisions and put the right people in place to be able to build out this kind of a roster and now we have to just believe that they're going to be able to do that going forward and just kind of enjoy where we are right now yeah so the same uh, the same night that uh, Chubb was extended, uh, Paul D. Podesta was extended to where uh, to where he, Andrew Barry, and Kevin Stefanski are all locked up through the twenty twenty four season. Mm-hmm. So that's that's alignment. That's um, you know that that's continuity. Uh, continuity. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. We're done with the revolving door. Yeah. So. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that um, I, I think that's I think I think the entire franchise, everybody in charge, should kind of see that as a, a vote of confidence. Um, you know, not just Deep Podesta. The fact that these three seem to be together as a team. Um, you know, because th- things seem perfect right now, but the Browns haven't played a game yet. So um, it still comes down to wins and losses and all this. So, um, you know, there's they're still a concern that, that uh, if things don't go perfectly through, during the season, that Jimmy's going to stick his nose in there. Um, but I think that concern is getting, <laughs> right. you know, to be less and less. And how do you right. guys feel? Do you, do, are you concerned about that at all? Because we really didn't see that last season. I mean, if the Browns start off, you know, say something weird happens and they start off two and three, you know, are you – are you guys going to be terrified if, if, if there's some press conference and, and Jimmy comes walking out and starts apologizing <laughs> to people or something? Jimmy will scare the crap out of me as long as he owns this team. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to be honest, though. I, I've been in such a good headspace with this team. I haven't really spent much time at all thinking about Jimmy, which is. Oh, boy. That's the worst thing you can do is not think about Jimmy for Jimmy. Well, you know, I, I listen to so Paul D. Podesta. He kind of sits. We don't hear from him all that much. Um, Andrew Barry, he's very measured, team oriented in what he says. Stefanski, he's very team oriented in what he says. 
these are supposedly the guys D Podesta wanted. So I, yeah. I, I look at those three guys and if something's not going right, I, I'm, I look at it and I think, okay, let's rewind Brown's history here. Who's going to bag who? And I have a hard time of answering that question. Uh, I don't, I don't see those three guys trying to cannibalize one another to save themselves. Now, granted, they haven't played any games. If they're, you know, two and four, two and five, that could change. I get it. Think, you know, circumstances can dictate the way people are, but they're all just so measured. Um, and, and Jimmy seems content with the way things are. Uh, I know they had a good year last year, so it will be interesting to see if things don't go as well. Uh, how he'll feel, but I, I feel like he gave Paul D. Podesta the ability to sort of fill out this front office and this team in the way that he thought they should. I mean, that was the rumor that he wanted Stefanski when they kept Kitchens, right? So um, I, I kind of feel like that those three guys almost have to be in lockstep, and now with this extension, they're all anticipated to be here for the same amount of time. So. I don't see a hiccup doing what other hiccups have done for us in the past. And maybe that's just me being overly optimistic, but I'm just trying to look at this different because it really seems like we have different people in charge here. And I think Jimmy over time has recognized that he can't fix it. And if he thinks Deep Podesta can, then he should continue to stay out of the way and let him do what he's been doing. Yeah, I think you're right. It's just that I, I don't know if um, I don't I don't know if we can guarantee that Jimmy has completely recognized that or not. We can hope. I don't know if there's a way to know for sure or not. So right. um, I'll never guarantee Jimmy or any other Cleveland Browns uh, personnel, coach, player. Uh, that's come back to bite me too many times over the years. If I was to, if, you know, if I was to put money on it right now, I would, you know, I would certainly go with, <laughs> I would certainly bet that these guys are going to be here through 24, just based on last season and based on what I'm seeing right now out of this team the coaches and everything else just in, in training camp i mean it, it it just seems it just seems far-fetched to think that the wheels could fall off um completely off this organization it just does yeah i mean you, you have to think about perception around the league as well you know you're, you're talking about an organization that had a breakthrough year last year is generally recognized as having one of the top couple three rosters in the league right now. Um, top young coach. I mean, he won coach of the top, year. Top, yeah. yeah, coach of the year, top young coach, uh, top executive, yeah. um, and is considered a, a Super Bowl contender right now um, after only one season together. Um, for Jimmy to blow that up, the hiccup would have to be like really, really big. It would have to be major. Uh, or he's yeah, going to look like a right. fool. He's going to look like right. a total fool. Okay, so I, I don't know if 24 is is a little maybe too optimistic because you got to think about you know how far out that is and how much can change between now and then. I mean, there's there's only 
you know, a couple of non-draft choice guys that are even under contract that far out. So, um, you know, I think at least through this year and next, that should not enter the conversation at all. Jimmy should just stay wherever he is, let these guys do their thing, and and just sit back and enjoy the fact that he has now, you know, doubled the worth of his franchise again. And just just watch him win. <laughs> and you know, he doesn't have to do home. anything. Just stay, just stay out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, these guys, they – deep Podesta – and, and even Jimmy, to an extent, in that he gave De Podesta the, the latitude to do this, they seem to be ignoring the the fan noise. Everyone wanted Patton from Minnesota as the GM to align with Stefanski. We took Barry. I know Patton kind of withdrew himself, but Barry was very much in the running throughout the GM search process. And a lot of people here thought back to his time when he was in the front office with others and held all of those moves against him. Oh, yeah. We don't want Barry. Right. No one wanted Barry. And and folks like Chris Sims and and some of our fan base, they laughed when we hired Stefanski because the Vikings had such a poor showing in one playoff game. Why would the – it was so on brand for the Browns to hire a guy like Stefanski. So they're not afraid to do what they think is right. And at least in those two instances, right now it's paying dividends for this team. That's right. That's right. I think the other interesting move is um, them bringing in Bob Quinn from the Lions as a as a consultant in the front office. Um, I don't know if you guys followed that story at all. No, um, that's it. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean he he's ex GM of the Lions. Um, they brought him in as a senior consultant for football operations. Um, which just gives them more depth and more um, – it's sort of like a safety net, you know, in, in case, like, something weird happens, somebody gets hired away or, or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen an organization add a guy at that level when they already have a very sound front office. So it just mm-hmm. it speaks to the collective brain power that that these guys aren't aren't afraid to um, I don't know be be in a group of guys that have you know that have equal authority and and, and are highly regarded without feeling threatened. Yeah, I, yeah, you're right. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, Ryan. And this is the second guy they've added to their team. Remember, too, they added Ryan Grigson not too long ago from the Colts. Uh-huh. And I know that was mildly controversial, you know, with with that that addition. But they're they're drawing on guys who have held high positions in other organizations that can benefit them. You know, Grigson as the senior football advisor and now Quinn coming in and, you know, I live in New England and Quinn brings some of that New England experience to an organization that's, you know, pardon the pun, but up and coming. Uh, It's just, it's nice to have those voices in the room uh, just to kind of round out and, and not have that echo chamber of, of, of we know what we know and we're right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's nice that they're continuing to demonstrate they're willing to bring in 
folks from the outside to enhance what they're doing in that building. Yeah, I bet there's nobody claiming to be driving the bus either. <laughs> Is that a Hugh Jackson reference? It was. It was. It just, I just, I just <laughs> felt it was appropriate. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah, so, um, man, a lot of, a lot of uh, mostly good news coming out of training camp, guys. Um, you know, they, they, uh, um, they were pads today i believe for the first time so it was kind of like hold your breath you know um but yeah, uh yeah. um yeah i don't think there you know i don't think there were any issues today nothing i heard about so everything i read was you know everybody's okay um Jay anthony okay. walker apparent, apparently um has a minor knee injury that they say he's going to be able to uh, recover without surgery in the next week or two. Yeah, so yeah, that, so, that could have been a big one. Yeah, it could have been big. So, so he's he's out. Um, Jacob Phillips was playing in his spot, I guess today. Um, yeah, and, and give give Mac Wilson a little bit more time. Well, you know, um, uh, Mac Wilson apparently has been looking really good. He's changed his body. He's uh, Got some guys helping him out, you know, mentoring him a little bit, and um, he looks good. You know, I, it, it's going to be uh, probably a tough road for him to to start this season, but I don't think uh, you know before the season, before training camp, the talk was was Mac going to make this team, and you know, right. a lot of people thought Mac didn't really have a shot at making this team, and now he's he's looking good. So, hey, guys are making the decisions tougher so far it's early but they're making decisions tougher mm-hmm. i'm so happy wilson too he's you know he's really thrown his arms around the city of cleveland and i know his play hasn't been you know, what folks hoped it would be um over the last couple years but man he, he never looks like he dogs a play if he if he misses a tackle it's poor technique it's not lack of effort and mm-hmm. you know this is a guy 150 pounds in Rhode Island making that comment. So take that for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I, I root for him because he's really, really embraced the city. He's really embraced the Browns. He's really embraced the culture and the blue collar nature of the team in the city. And he's sort of, in a way, stepped right into the role that Christian Kirksey had. You know, he brought the dog chain. He's got the GV art shirts for all the linebackers every week. And mm-hmm. he just he's a good guy to be around. And I, I'm just so hopeful that he, he can continue to improve and play and contribute uh, on this team. I'm so happy to hear all the positive reports on him because he's a guy I'm really rooting for. I think that's great. I think that the problem that most people have with him is we talked about the culture change and mac wilson to this point to this point has been all bark and no bite agreed agreed and i think what rod was saying about you know having some mentors i think that's going to help um yeah you know i don't think you've you've heard as much from him in the off season i think you've probably seen his pictures but they're all doing that now so yeah uh, I, i i as long as he can continue to point the arrow up on the field 
um, you know, I'll support him and get behind him. Sure. Yeah. Um, Rod, the injury that, that has me concerned is uh, Ronnie Harrison with a hamstring. Um, I mean, yeah. this, this is a guy that we're really counting on. And he had a real hard time staying on the field last year. And we know how hamstring injuries can just linger throughout the season. Um, I mean, that's, that's just, that's just opening the door for some of the younger guys, um, you know, to, to have to step up. Yeah. And the Browns, um, I, I guess, uh, Javante Moffitt was out playing safety <laughs> with the first team today because, uh, you know, they had a bunch of guys, you know, not playing with, uh, right. Ronnie Harrison and, and some Delpit's other guys. Delpit's on a limited snap count. Delpit, um, um, yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, Redwine was out for some reason. Yeah, he um, had an ankle injury, I think. Yeah, yeah. so, um, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're a little banged up in the, in the you know, at safety, um, you know, a couple other spots. But, uh, but yeah, I think you're right, Jeff. That's, that's definitely a, a concern. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I I don't know if you can really depend on Grant Delpit, you know, to be out there uh, week week one at this point. So you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we got we've got one safety and and uh, John Johnson who's who's going to play, but um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it really would have been nice to, you know, to to feel more confident in Harrison, but um, you know, we'll see, we'll see. Hopefully, we'll know more, but um, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's definitely a concern. So, um, and even just this conversation is a good example of the depth that we have. We're talking about what, in essence, are three starting safeties on one team. So. Um, you know, I hope they get healthy, obviously, Delpit and Johnson, but excuse me, and Harrison. Um, but we're, we're talking about three guys that could start on other teams, uh, and we have all three of them. Uh, so as long as you're right, we're in a good spot. Yeah, as long as uh, a couple of them can go. I mean, we just we just don't want uh, I mean, you know, if Redwine has to play some that, you know, uh, so be it. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. Don't know. Uh, I think the idea was to to upgrade that spot. So so we'll see what happens. Um, I think the the linebackers are going to make the decisions tough. Um, <laughs> How do you then, group playing out? The linebackers. Yeah, I mean they're they're it's a it's a tricky depth chart to fill out, don't you think? Well, well yeah, it is because I mean you got to figure there's going to be plenty of times there's only two guys out on the field, you know. And I, I don't know that JOK is going to be out there all the time, especially, you know, with a slow start in training camp. I, I think they'll bring him along a little bit slowly at the beginning of the season, just, you know, just to be smart. I mean, why why throw a rookie out there right off the bat if you've got other guys who, you know, who can play? Um, put him out there when he needs to be out there, bring him along. And, and, you know, when he's ready to play all the time, put him out there. But if he's not ready um, on this team, he does he doesn't need to be starting. So, you know, hopefully it, it's Anthony Walker out there with, you know, with uh, with either Mac Wilson or Jacob Phillips or Sione Takitaki, you know, a lot of times or, or three of those guys are out there and and they can work JOK in and 
and uh, you know, and you got a and you got a strong group, but there's going to be some tough cuts at linebacker too. Do you think Malcolm uh, will uh, Mal- Malcolm Smith makes the team? Um, I mean, it probably depends on on the health of some of these other guys and and uh, and whatnot. But I mean, if Jacob Phillips and Mac Wilson and Taki Taki and Walker and JOK are all making the team, then then Malcolm Smith's probably not making it. I agree. So <laughs> I don't know if you guys um, saw this. Uh, came from uh, uh, Jake Jake Trotter's uh, little write up that he does each day. He said that <laughs> obviously the the uh, defensive ends are not uh, defensive linemen are not allowed to touch the quarterback in camp. He said if they were, then then Jadavian Clowney would have had about twenty sacks today. <laughs> <laughs> that he was in the backfield on almost every play. Wow. So, I want to know blocking him <laughs> or trying to block him. I don't know, but apparently <laughs> he and Miles are having a field day out there, guys. So um, let, let's let's get these guys to the regular season healthy and let's just let them play. <laughs> I'm ready <laughs> just, to, just to let them go. Um, did you guys see the uh, the the most recent episode of building the Browns. I did. Did not. Okay. The, the, uh, the drill they do where there's the two circles, you know what I'm talking about, Ryan? Yes. And where, and the, uh, it's Jeff, there's two circles, uh, drawn on the field and, and, uh, two, two of the defensive linemen lay down like on the edge of the circle. And, and they they tell him they blow a whistle or something, and the guys get up, and the guy behind tries to catch the guy in front of him who who runs in a figure eight to to try to get away from him. And um, I don't know who who Ryan, do you, do you know who Miles caught? And at that last one was it Clowney or or maybe it was Tack McKinley or somebody? But you know who I think one of them was uh, Weaver Curtis Weaver. I think Curtis Weaver. Okay two clips and i think i remember him being one of the guys that they caught and it might have been tack and the other nobody could get away from miles obviously (laughs) it's it's really funny you gotta you gotta watch that um yeah most of that episode is just practice and stuff um nothing earth shattering i mean it's fun to watch but there's not like big news in it but watching that drill was was a lot of fun and it looked like they had fun while they were doing it too. Oh, they were laughing like crazy and trying to pick who who got to go next against each other and stuff. They they had a lot of fun. Great great team building thing too. Um, but yeah, they're doing a lot of that at the end of their practices. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So guys, from my uh, just from what I'm hearing and from my observances from you know just from uh, the the uh, footage I've seen and everything. And the, the wide receivers are looking really good in camp. Um, everybody's catching the ball. Um, the linebackers we talked about, the defensive ends, and, of course, Baker is looking really good. But, man, the, uh, the wide receivers, I think um, the guys battling for that number three spot, uh, you know, all, all three of those guys are, um, are looking um, – really good making great catches so so schwartz higgins and um 
What am I forgetting? Um, People's Jones. Yeah, People's Jones. Yeah, those guys have all looked great. I guess People's Jones has lost some weight and um, just, I mean, he, he's made a number of great catches. And Higgins has that, still has that connection with Baker and, and, um, Hodge made a nice catch and ran for a touchdown today. And um, also, also saw that uh, Steve Carlson's been just just destroying the third team at tight end. <laughs> so, so um, I don't know. Everybody's everybody, almost everybody, seems to be doing well in training camp. It's funny because I saw. Today, maybe I think it was you who posted who hasn't done well. I don't. I haven't heard of anyone not doing well. Yeah, I posted yeah. that. I'm thinking, yeah. okay, that's all I'm seeing is good news. And, and I thought, and when I saw it, I thought, yeah, he's right. I I can't tell you who hasn't done well either. I can tell you who hasn't practiced for one reason or another, but that doesn't mean they haven't practiced well. They just haven't practiced. Yeah, there there hasn't been a, I haven't seen a single write up to where somebody's really looked bad. You know, I mean they've they've talked about you know some of the DBs getting beat by the wide receivers, but man, you look at the moves and it's like kind of understandable at this point in the season, I guess. <laughs> and plus, you know, when you've got guys going up against Jarvis and Camp, that's iron sharpens iron, as they say. So you, you hope they carry that into the season. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, Jeff, anything else you've heard from Camp or anything else that uh, you think is pertinent? Um, the, the only thing I would add to what you were just talking about is I saw today that um, your your guy, Alexander Hollins, um, let uh, – a beautiful throw from Baker go right through his hands. So, <laughs> He's not making his case. Huh? He, he had a chance to stand out today and he kind of whiffed on it. But um, okay. other than that, um, yeah, I, I concur. Things are, things are looking good. We just hope the, you know, that these little bumps and bruises don't linger. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. Keeping guys healthy. Uh, you know, hopefully most of these guys will recover. And, and yeah, absolutely. Harrison, man, hopefully we hear some good news on him. Hopefully that hamstring's not going to be a, something that's going to keep coming back over and over because, you know, how those things can be. Yeah. So, Ryan, is there anything else from training camp or anything else you'd like to talk about? Uh, you know who I'm most interested in, and I know you've touched on this in previous uh, episodes, is Demetric Felton. I'm so curious to see what kind of role he'll play. I've heard a lot of comparisons between him and Duke Johnson. Um, I've heard that he can do, maybe he'll do kick returns or punt mm -hmm. returns. I've heard that he's lined up with the receivers and done work with the receivers. Um, I'm very curious to know what his role will be emerging from camp, going through the preseason and into the season. I, I think he's, in my opinion, I think he's probably a lock is too strong, but I think he's very likely to make the team just because of how versatile he is. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious to see how they use him. Um, you know, does he give them that ability to do one of those unique three uh, running back sets uh, with, with Hunt and Chubb or, or, or you know, do they line him up on the outside? I'm really intrigued by him. 
and I haven't heard anything negative yet. All I've heard is how versatile he is. So he's a guy that I've continued to keep my eye on. I'm also kind of interested to know, and again, this speaks to what a great position the Browns are in. What what does the rest? What does the offensive line look like beyond the starting five? Um, there's a lot of guys there competing for some spots. I want to know who's going to get those spots. We have Drew Forbes coming back. We've got Hubbard coming back from injury. Michael Dunn, I've read, has had a good camp. Uh, Nick Harris is maybe the waiting in the wings to take Treader's spot as center someday. Uh, you know, there's all this speculation about these guys, and uh, they drafted that uh, that guy Hudson from Cincinnati, I think. Mm-hmm. It, it's a full room. And I think some of those players, when they make roster cuts, they're going to end up on other teams because there's a lot, there seems to be a lot of depth there. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I don't think those decisions are going to be made until, you know, until they have to be made until, you know, probably that final cut, the uh, probably the offensive line and, and the, uh, you know, the last spot or two on the, on the defensive line. Those will probably be the toughest decisions. That's kind of my thought. I agree. I agree completely. And again, that linebacker room, what's that going to look like? You know, we've talked about a lot of guys, but we know that Mike Prefer values guys on special teams. So does someone like Elijah Lee uh, stay on the team and earn a roster spot because of how good he might be on special teams? Um, Hodge on the wide receiver side. does yeah. Joe Donadson make the team? Haven't heard a lot about him in camp. He's kind of our return guy. Got hurt last year. Uh, he can only keep so many. So it's going to be. Yeah, the numbers are are going to add up quick, and I th- I think we'll uh, we'll probably start looking at some of those numbers here on on the podcast before too awfully long because because um, yeah it, it's. They're going to start making cuts here in, in just a few weeks, you know, after, you know, after some of the uh, preseason games. So we'll get into that. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. It, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to predict some of them. Definitely. Yeah, so, and, and as we've said before, Rod, not many of these guys are going to make it through waivers to the practice squad. No, no, most of them won't. Uh, with good reason. I mean, they're talented guys and, yeah, they'll they'll uh, they'll be playing somewhere, or uh, be back up somewhere if not. So, so yeah. All right, Jeff. Uh, Jeff, do you have any any closing words for us? Well, uh, less than forty eight hours, um, Canton, Ohio. We kick off uh, the first game of the season, the Hall of Fame game, uh, Cowboys and Steelers. And for one of the few times in my life, I will. Again, be a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I gotta agree with you. <laughs> yep, go go Cowboys. Yeah, um, Ryan, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Would you Would you like to give us some some closing words? Well, before I do, are, are you guys getting to any games this year? 
I don't have anything planned yet. I really want to come up and, and you know, and, and tailgate, and, and I guess we'll see. I'm sure tickets aren't probably aren't going to be easy to get, but uh, but we'll see. I mean, I definitely want to come up for something. Well, keep me posted. Yeah, that, and thank you guys uh, for having me. I'm just, I can't say enough about how excited I am for this season. Um, everything continues to look positive, which is the polar opposite of what I've come to expect as a Browns fan. Um, just excited to get back into the city of Cleveland, spend time and catch up with some friends that we've made over the years, and, and just really enjoy this team this year. Um, you know, we've, I think we've got something like seven or eight games penciled in on our calendar to go to this year. Um, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. And I uh, can't wait to run into folks along the way. Excellent. All right. Uh, that's Ryan Crowley. You can find him at Ryan J underscore Crowley on Twitter. This has been the Browns Blitz and we will catch you next time. Thank you.